All right, final week, the last final supper week. on the moon. Hello, Jennifer. Hi. Glad to see, fancy meeting you here. Fancy meeting you here. Looking good today. It's fantastic to be here. We have in our hearts no better way we can think of to close out this fantastic chapter, this marvelous chapter, than by taking the Lord's Supper together. And so mm. we'll do that uh, at every Fresh Life location. Somewhere around your seat, there's some communion elements. If you want to find those, see where they're at, They'll, they're going to be there useful for you later. It's the kind where you take off a layer, there's bread, take off a layer, there's there's juice. You don't need to grab it just yet, but just so you know, it's there. We've got ours. If you're watching this uh, church online. Welcome. Or, we love you. Yeah, Good to right? have you. Is this true? Do we love the church online family? Do we love them? It's amazing. You know, you say that um, and you, you think, oh, because you see the reports and see, oh, it's, it's tons and tons of people. You know, you see how many tens and tens and tens and thousands will watch on Spotify or this or that or the other. But then you meet one person and just reminds you of how much it means to people. Yeah. Like meeting that that guy uh, this week who who told me that the Lucky in Love series changed his marriage, saved his marriage. Wow. And then he lifted up his pant leg and showed me a Lucky in Love tattoo. And he had tears <laughs> in his eyes. Oh, my gosh. And that puts a lot of pressure on me when I come up with sermon titles because I'm like... <laughs> This is got, we got to live. People are going to live with this. Is this going to end up on someone's bicep one day? <laughs> on a bicep, yeah, man. But just the thought of of God working in your life and, yeah. and you getting to be there with us and all of us together, hmm. a part of this, is an honor for us. It means a lot that we would get to be a part of this ministry. Um, before we get any further into this, all. We do want to mention that we are still taking a few applications for our summer internship for the summer twenty two internship. Come on, at Fresh Life Church. Um, we've accepted a bunch, but we have a few more spaces. It's uh, May 29th through August 11th, and you can receive college credits for it. Of course, now because of our leadership college, applications are at freshlife.church slash internship. And uh, come on out to uh, Montana, see what God would do in your life, through your life, who you'll meet. You never know. You'll I just never wanna, know I, who I just you'll meet at an internship. Never know. That's how we met, if you don't know the story, in an internship. But you just, you never know what God could do when you just surrender. Even if you are in college or you're in, you're, you're busy doing stuff and you just take a break from that and you just give God the space to do whatever he wants to do in you, you just never know what he would do. So I just want to encourage you, if you're kind of feeling that, hmm, stirring to, to apply, do it and just see what God does. It's great. Okay, so if you do have a Bible, John 21, turn there. We'll be referencing that, reading that in a moment in the scriptures. Uh, but today, the whole point of this time is for all of us just to get to take a yeah. big breath. There's been a lot. You just saw in that little video, seven weeks going through the seven signs in John's gospel. Yeah. These are big miracles. These are big texts, and, uh, you know, in NASA form, it would be inappropriate to end a mission without a debrief. Yeah. For the 21 days from when they left the moon to when they were allowed to leave the quarantine facility, Buzz and Neil and Michael, it was, they were being debriefed. It was, how'd this go? How'd that go? All of their wisdom was being extracted so it could be imparted to the next set of astronauts. And in that way, NASA evolved so fast because every astronaut was you know, consuming all of the wisdom of the one before him. And so in that vein, uh, we just thought it would be wrong of us to have spent such uh, a month and a half, two months on this mountain 
without at least taking some time to just acknowledge it, appreciate it, and yeah. sort of just debrief some of the things we've seen and heard. Totally. And I think that this is something that is so important for us in life when God speaks to us to take a moment, to write it down. I think that's why one of the reasons why we say take notes in church and don't, I know sometimes like in the room that I'm in, it's super dark and maybe you can't see to write. Maybe we should turn up the lights a little bit, but um, it's so important to write down what God speaks to you because if you're anything like me, you're going to forget. Like there are honestly nights where like thoughts go through my mind and I'm like, I'll, I'll remember that in the morning. And I wake up in the morning and I do not remember it. And there are very few times where that thought comes back to me and I actually do remember it. But it's so important to write things down. And I think that um, one thing that's special about the Last Supper on the Moon book is that at the end of most chapters, there's a place called Conquer Your Inner Space. And it kind of brings, because really, I mean, what what Levi has done is brought these huge, lofty truths and facts and boiled them down to these chapters and to let all those things rumble around in our hearts but not actually take the time to ask God to do something with those things in our hearts. And that's another reason why we do Fresh Life groups. I want to encourage you, if you're not in a Fresh Life group, to get in one because it's kind of like a, a mini debrief from the weekend because we get to hear God's word preached so powerfully to our hearts. And if we're not taking the time to talk with our families about what God's speaking to us, to talk to the people in our life about what God's speaking to us, um, those things will, will hit us and then fizzle out. And so it's just important to have this. And I just want to take a moment for all of us as a church, all across our church, to honor you, Levi, um, because it takes a lot to preach seven weeks in a row. And, um, and the things that, that you have taught us and that we've been able to see from Jesus's life and the signs that he's done is, is powerful and it's life-changing. And in church, whether you know it or not, your lives are being changed by the teaching of God's word through our pastor. And so would you just honor our pastor? Thank you, sweetheart. It's a privilege. And um, thank you, thank you. Uh, the, the seven messages in particular, I feel like there's some reason John knew these together could help inform our belief in Jesus yeah. to help us participate in the life that he wants us to be living. And I think it's, it's just perfect and appropriate that where we ended with, was with Lazarus alive, but still captive. Hmm alive, but still unlocked. And the fact is that we can, as our, our, our whole church kind of organizes around that sentence, we, we want to see people who are stranded in sin find life and then liberty, liberty. in Christ, life in yeah. liberty in Christ. Life will get you out of hell into heaven, but liberty will make you a force for heaven Come here on, on this That's earth. so good. And a lot That's of so Christians good. have life, but not liberty. And what can give us that liberty is the same thing that can give us that life. It's walking with Jesus, obedience to his word, and participation in the body. Yeah. Which is why Jesus didn't take off the grave clothes. He could have. He could have taken them off. He could have spoken them off. He could have had Lazarus come out of that grave in a three-piece suit, somebody, right? <laughs> but he chose to bring him out bound. The Bible says limping out. And then he said to Mary, Martha, and the other Jews who were there, you guys unwrap him. We are meant to be unwrapping each other from the clothes of darkness wow. day by day. Wow. To the extent that we don't stiffen up when someone gives us the chance to, to grow. Hmm. 
Hmm. And how, how does that happen? We get Why'd you point at me when you said that? Because you regularly <laughs> give me chances to grow. No, I was saying I'm, I'm stubborn and when you say stuff to me. No, that's not what I meant. Actually, what comes I'm, to my mind. I wasn't mind, saying you were, but I was what just comes to my mind is how almost how the Holy Spirit sounds so much like Jenny in my life. <laughs> Naggy. <laughs> no, the Holy Spirit doesn't nag, baby. He never condemns. Yeah, he always encourages and hmm. comforts and only convicts to bring us to life. He's that rumble strip, but you, yeah. you do that for me. And Aww. I almost have, I most, I've almost never disregarded any input you've given me and not regretted it. Wow. One time, though, this week. This week, <laughs> you did tell me not to do something, and I did it, and I'm glad I did it. I know. But I am, too. Hey, you win some, you lose some, you win you, you together. You bat really well. Um, <laughs> but we all need liberty. We all need to be unlocked. And so I think to return again and again to these signs, to these miracles, remember who Jesus is. So, um, you know, we start at the wedding in Cana, yeah. and we end at a funeral, and it really is beautiful how everything in between covers the gamut of experience in life. Oh, my gosh. What okay, sticks so, out to you? I, I was going to ask you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Um, what, as like, as you were preparing all of these messages and as you were, um, going deep, like which were ones that were special or moments that, um, were special to you that God was kind of like stirring in your heart. I know I'm sure it's every message, but anything in particular? No, I I would, (laughs) I, I wouldn't say every one of them. Um, the people, the ones involving people, uh, which are all of them. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but specifically uh, the ones that involve other characters. Of course, the disciples are somehow involved in everything Jesus did when he was on the earth for those years because he never he was too efficient to ever do anything pretty much by himself. Uh, he involved others to multiply. Mm. He involved others so that others could be... You know, he didn't do things that he could get someone else to do because he was giving them the chance to take that moment. Whether they would fail or, or do it well... It was delegation and empowerment and discipleship in action. Um, it, was, it, was, it was follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. So I love that it involves the disciples, of course, but I've always really enjoyed the man at the pool of Bethesda, the man sent to the pool of Siloam. I love the servants in the, the, the wedding feast who are just so mystified when he's like, get that bath water and bring it to your, your boss and <laughs> it'll be amazing. And he's just like laughing and they're like, we're going to get fired. You know, it's like, <laughs> and then they're in for the surprise of a lifetime when they get to, to give the best wine that's ever been served in the history of eating. And uh, so I really like that. But, but these also are daunting to me. I don't know if, if you've been coming to the church for a while uh, I, you haven't heard probably 80 sermons on David and Goliath, right? I don't know how many times you've ever heard me preach on uh, Daniel and the lion's den. I don't tend to mm. gravitate on the most traveled and the most story. You probably have heard more obscure stories in the Bible, and you're like, That's true. Is that actually in the Bible? Like, <laughs> that happened? You know what I'm saying? Because I love the quirky. I love the, the ones that I've not heard sermons on. I love texts that, that people are, are like, uh, uh, if that is in the Bible, maybe it shouldn't be. But that, well, and I think I, that's, that's what's where I tend so, to love. Yeah, I think that's what's so beautiful about y- how you preach the word is that you can take something that's like any of us will read it and it'll be like, I have no idea what this is saying. Like we're reading through the Bible as a family through a year 
And some of the things, you guys, Old Testament is weird, but there's such beauty in it. But there's so many times where I'm like, oh, man, I just want Levi to preach a message about this part. But I think that's what's so special about what we get to be a part of as a church underneath your teaching. Well, what I was trying to say, though, take random is, things is that awesome. maybe what intimidates me more. I was most intimidated in the series about the feeding of the 5,000 and the walking on water. Because those are the ones that just about everybody knows. And I feel like that brings so much baggage into it. And the, the big thing that I, I do and, and, and did is I don't look back at my old sermons as I write the new one. Mm. And, uh, you know, because it would be easy to begin in life and in art. And this maybe would be a helpful thing for in business mm. to become an imitation of an old version of yourself that you're not anymore. And God's teaching us new things. Wow. And when the That's children really of Israel... Good got manna, they weren't allowed to, to keep it for the next day except for the day before the Sabbath because God wanted to give them something new. Hmm. And I think to the extent that if as a pastor, as a leader, if I'm serving up old manna, it's not going to have the same life-giving power. I have to let God speak something new to me through it. And there's going to be some of the same block and tackling stuff you're going to have to do to establish, establish basic hermeneutics and text work. But the, the revelation, the insight, the application, I believe this needs to be in season and out of season what the Holy Spirit's saying to the church. Amazing. And I think in, in business and in anything, it, you have to keep it fresh. You know, we got to change the name if we don't. Uh, and I think that God <laughs> wants to, That's you know, right. when, you, when in your company you come around to that, that next season of this or whatever, if you just think, well, what did we do last year? Let's just change the date and do it again. You're going to stagnate. Right. And the muscles of your imagination will atrophy. And I think the same is true in communicating God's word. Yeah, amen. That's so good. Um, it would be easier to preach last year's sermon. Right. But I think that that is what keeps things fresh for you. And that's what keeps things fresh in our church. Okay, so I don't know if our church knows your love for the book of John and where it, when it started. And I think that this is really interesting um, because you see, I mean, uh, I don't know how many have started reading The Last Supper on the Moon, but you just, there's so much. You can just tell that you have a special relationship with that book. And so, um, and even when you preach it, but can you just talk about that a little I will point the um, listener to chapter 15, where I tell that mm. entire story, and I will save my voice. Good idea. Okay. I will also say that's my favorite chapter. Someone asked me that the other day. What's your favorite chapter in Last Supper on the Moon? It's chapter 15. It's actually the chapter I wrote last even though it's not last in the way the final presentation, I wrote it uh, as the final writing session. And it was, I've teared up multiple times. It was also the only chapter I wrote on an airplane because pandemic. Uh, I wrote this book, ironically, which is so much about the heavens while on the earth. Hmm. Uh, but one chapter I wrote up in, up in the air and it was chapter 15. It's and called I got, Good Luck and Godspeed. I was uh, approaching the Flathead Valley just as I was finishing it, racing before the flight attendant made me shut my laptop. And... Uh, it, it, I explain why John means so much to me in uh, my life. And uh, it was originally called John, John, John. But we changed it to good luck and Godspeed later. Love it. Okay, so I think from this series, for me, um, <coughs> I really believe that, any, I guess it goes along with the book too, but just how I feel like God has been awakening my wonder and my curiosity and um, looking up to the moon, like you say it in your book, I, I guess we're kind of going back and forth from book in the series, but um, how you can't stare at the sun because it'll damage your eyes, but you can spend hours looking at the moon. And um, one of our, our fresh lifers, uh, Shirley Larson, she's actually right now um, 
hosting a chat from Alaska, and she's a beautiful person. Shirley, we love you. Um, But she was telling me a story that happened recently where she was just having a really hard time. And she was on a walk and um, just kind of like looking down. And she looked up and the moon was in the sky during the day. She looked up and she just said, I'm so thankful for Pastor Levi and how he has changed the way I look at the moon and how it reminds me of God's faithfulness. So no matter what I'm dealing with here on earth, I can look up and remember God's faithful. That same moon that Abraham looked up in the, into in the sky, that same moon that um, Martin Luther King Jr. looked up in and saw, that's the same moon that I see, and God is faithful. He is so faithful. And so I, that kind of thing where it's just, it's an awareness. It's an awareness of the importance of, of considering the heavens and looking up and remembering that what we're dealing with right here and right now in front of our face is not all that there is, and there's more, and God is in control, and he loves us, and he's faithful no matter what we're dealing with. And so I just feel like as we've been studying Jesus doing these miracles, that there's just been an awe and a wonder of who Jesus is. And and we were talking about this a little bit, but even just how he loved people and the compassion that he had for people in the midst of his own, what he was dealing with, and in the midst of disciples his disciples usually not tracking with what he was saying and not understanding what he was saying and fighting about who's the greatest in the kingdom and just his, his patience. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly right. To see, and to see how no situation got the same response as the last one, no miracle got the same cure as the last time, even in Two blind people, he changed up his strategy. It's like in, in, in Aslan and Narnia and C.S. Lewis's Wonderland, he wrote this beautiful book series that if you're a parent and you haven't read Narnia to your kids, that, mm. is, that is absolutely so vital. Um, the way they got into the magical land of Narnia changed every time. It was never like you could just go into the wardrobe in the next book because it, it worked in the last one. And I think that's, that's the beauty of Jesus. What he does in every situation changes so that we don't rely on methods, but that we rely on the Messiah, that yeah. we keep our eyes focused on him. And I love that he changed it up. And even how he responded to Martha last week, who came at him hot, angry, and Jesus was cerebral with her and answered mm. her and spoke to her. And then Mary, who says the same question, but Jesus knows her grief is different and the stage of grief she's at is different. She comes to him, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died, which is the same thing Martha said. And Jesus just cries with her hmm. and doesn't at all speak to her. So we're seeing he knows exactly the right response, which tells us that we have to be listening to the Holy Spirit to respond to what's in front of us. And that's the tension. You know, the book of Proverbs says the same verse two different ways. Do not rebuke a fool according to his folly. And then just a few verses later, it goes, hey, make sure you rebuke a fool fool according to his folly. And you're like, "Uh uh-huh. Which one is it? The answer is it depends. Hmm. And every situation is different. And you have to listen to the spirit is the point. And I I think Jesus is modeling that for us, kind of that sense of dependence, which is why every day, some time in, in the word, every day, some time being formed by worship. You are being formed by something. TikTok will form you. Netflix will form you. Your values, how you see life, it gets formed. 
Uh, I was watching something someone posted about how the algorithm for TikTok changes country by country, and 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 they they steer it towards what they want to value, right? So it was like in China, TikTok brings people rewards and lets people see more of like scientific achievements, accomplishments, anything good for their mind, anything huh. good for Scholastic. Someone who's doing some hack on homework, they bring that more because. They can bring out more brilliant people who do experiments, and then they've wow. in America, it's all stupid dances and practical jokes, <laughs> and they're rewarding that. And it's like, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that you're gonna get more of what you what you wow. you know what I mean. So you're being formed is the point. And if you don't spend time in prayer, in scripture, in worship, if you're not being formed intentionally by the right things, you'll be nature hates a vacuum. You'll be formed by the wrong things, and so. Jesus listened to the Spirit, was always in tune with the Holy Spirit to know how to respond, and we must do the same. Yeah, so good. Um, one phrase that you have said a lot in the past couple years um, and that you kind of sprinkled throughout the series was um, a quote by C.S. Lewis, um, you are not as happy as I mean for you to be. And I think that that has been probably one of the things um, that I think about the most um, when I'm letting things that I'm struggling with or going through bring me down. And um, and I just imagine Jesus speaking to me personally, you're not as happy as I mean for you to be. And would you kind of talk about that a little bit, like what that means, where that comes from, and encourage us with that more? Yeah, <laughs> well, I... Um at risk of making this just a whole C.S. Lewis marathon, he, <laughs> in the Chronicles of Narnia, gets to the end of the series, and in the parable that he writes, they end up in their version of heaven. It's like finally all over. He's working. It's the book of Revelation in, in, the, in the series. <coughs> Sorry, not COVID. Um, <laughs> negative test. Influenza A, Tamiflu, Check. Okay, so um, when they get to the end, he says to the children, you're not so happy as I mean you to be. Mm. I've died for you. I brought you here. I've conquered evil. Here, like, you, you don't, you, but you don't understand that. So he's trying to help them see more of what he's done and walk in everything he's done for them so they can realize it. And it's this beautiful picture for me of uh, laying hold of what we've been laid hold of for. Mm. And if I could just be completely candid, the origin story of this whole project for me, The Last Supper on the Moon, was a big period of brokenness in my life um, where I hit a real wall. You know, we're 15 years into leading this church. Um, we've, you know, in that time, opened... 12 churches, including one in a prison. We've, 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 we saw God do the miraculous in a building project that was impossible and felt impossible at times. Um, we've preached all around the world in that time, from China to Colombia to South Africa multiple times in Australia. And, you know, we've, we've Ireland and books coming out and sermons and leading and trying to develop teams and, and all of these things. And I think that the pandemic, when it hit, um, was finally the opportunity for me to look at the odometer mm. of my life and go, 
um, we got to do some math on how many miles you get out of an engine, mm-hmm. on how long you've gone without some belts being adjusted, and quite frankly, um, some things that I had never really dealt with in my life uh, mm-hmm. from childhood and uh, to present day. Not any one thing, more like a thousand paper cuts. Mm. And I think you, you, all, you all, we all can relate to what I'm describing. That's been the last few years for us. It, if you put something with cracks in it already in an oven, as everything expands, it can shatter. So did the oven do it or was the, the cracks fault that it was already broken? It doesn't really matter. It's still right. shattered, right? Right. So I think we have all found and felt an exaggerated response to every little thing that's already been there. So we're in bed early in the pandemic, and I'm already feeling like I don't have the skill set to lead in this time. I can preach on camera. That's fine. But it's everything I do being wrong, no matter what to half the country. It's everything scrutinized. It's that I, I even compassion becoming weaponized and mm. my instincts feeling like they're getting me every, every time wrong. I, I should care, can't care. I should want this, but that makes you a bad American. But this, and, and it, it was just bewildering. And I had the lack of adrenaline that normally is there of the next flight, the next thing. And it's like, oh, we're just here actually. And, <laughs> and you're preaching <laughs> for seven weeks on a broken ankle. You know, and so that period for me was one of the hardest, scariest times of my life outside of Linya going to heaven, mm. where I, um, I didn't know if I could or wanted to make it through to the next season yeah. of this, of this, of this, of any of it. And yeah. it was like, um, in that time, I began to look at the moon a lot. Mm. And I'd already had the assignment for the book I was fighting from God and the Lord really spoke to me and said, you're not as happy as I mean you to be. Mm. And so I began doing a ton of work with counselors and my doctors and the spiritual leaders in my life. And of course, you were part of all that. And through that whole process of having like stuff torn down and excavated and figuring out where I developed certain things and all of that, this project was a place for me to kind of continue to further my love affair with Jesus and grow mm. in that way. And, and I never meant to even necessarily um, have it come out. I didn't even think the publisher would want to have it come out. And so it is kind of a weird thing. I actually had to kind of say goodbye to it when the book released. That day for me was kind of my saying goodbye to it because it had been my secret for so long wow. that I had carried and nursed that it, when, it was, when it was finally released, it was like I almost had to say goodbye to it because it wasn't mine anymore. Yeah. I don't know if that's what you asked. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I asked. Okay. <laughs> that's so good. Thank you for sharing that. And that's so helpful helpful for all of us because we're all going to face something maybe not exactly like that but similar and I think that for us to remember that God's with us first of all but that he he wants us to experience joy in the midst of suffering and and that's what actually makes our lives in Christ so beautiful and so powerful is that we can be walking through the valley of the shadow of death while simultaneously fearing no evil. 
and while simultaneously looking up and experiencing the greatest joy that we've ever felt while we're experiencing the greatest pain. And so I just thank you for putting that, putting yourself out there because that is relatable for us to be able to say, yeah, that's me. And this is how I can keep moving forward. Yeah. And I can, I can keep looking up yeah. and I can keep considering the heavens and considering my ways. And, um, and that's what this life is all about. Um, looking at the book, first of all, um, I've shared this a few times, but I'm glad you finally got a bookmark because you were using your fly leaf jacket as a bookmark and like just looping it over. That's what I do. But this Does book anyone is else far do that? too fat for that to be an effective <laughs> strategy. And it looks like you got a bookmark in there. So, so I'm very pleased about that. Yes, because there comes a point where the flap doesn't really, doesn't really do much. And then it's like just barely holding on. But, um, I, this is such a treasure. This is such a treasure. And I got to read the digital copy before the, this copy ever came out. And, um, when I opened it, like just reading every little thing and looking inside at the hard cover and reading Psalm eight on the front and, (laughs) Um, reading the, even the little, like, um, everything. And I got a special signing. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Um, but even just like also by Levi Lesko and listing the books. And I'm, I'm just in awe of how God uses you, Levi. And I just think that um, for all of us, it could we've we've read a few um, of the reviews, which if you have read it and you leave a review, that would be so amazing because it helps people like, um, you know, know what they're getting into. But um, there's this one that let's see, hold on. Um, Kayla said, "I'm loving this book. I'll be honest. At first, I hesitated because I wasn't that big of a fan of NASA." But if you have any reservations because of this, don't, because it is amazing. The amount of love that is poured into this book is felt. You just genuinely feel the love of Jesus as you either listen on Audible, which has been an awesome experience, by the way, or read in person. And you can truly tell that Levi cares about you, the reader. He wants you to live out this life to the fullest. He wants you to experience all that Jesus has for you. Just an incredible book. Go and get it. But what's so beautiful is that whether you are naturally drawn to NASA and space and the moon or not. Or you're my mom (laughs) who wrote me and said, this book is not my cup of matcha. I was like, awesome. She goes, I just don't think man should be tinkering around with outer space because we've already messed up this planet. So she goes, but I love your kid's book. I was like, well, there you go. Bless that's her why heart. my counseling bill has been so heavy lately. Um, <laughs> Jenny, that's really kind. No, but... Um, and I do want to say on that whole subject, yeah. uh, what, what gratitude I have for our whole team yeah. who, have, who have put uh, such uh, their Amen. different levels of expertise, both on the, on the publisher side and the Fresh Life side, which um, the publisher hires 
to do anything they do on our book stuff, which yeah. is awesome. Uh, and the the hand, uh, you know, it took 400,000 people to get to the moon. And I'm, I'm, I'm just indebted to an incredible amount of people who work so yes. hard uh, yes. to, to make any of that possible on, yes. the, on the book side. But I did want to... Um, Today, if you take notes, write down, have you write down just one, one phrase. Um, and, and the phrase is one for the road, mm. one for the road, because we've been in these, you know, these, these Holy Spirit drenched days looking at the sign God of, 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 of John's gospel. Um, but what I love about John is how sneaky he is, because he's given us these seven things. Like, Here's my seven signs. And then just as uh, he's about to close out, He's like, oh, here's one for the road. Mm-hmm. And there's a sign that is not included in his, his, the formal list, but it's, it's a sign nonetheless. And I believe it's one Jesus wanted them to walk out of the gospel with into their commissioning and also for us to see. And it's John 21. It says in verse one, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples <laughs> at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the son of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Mm. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning came, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, do you any food? They answered him, no. And every skunked fisherman says, thanks for bringing it up. (laughs) And he said to them, cast uh, your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea as every person about to go swimming does. (laughs) But the other disciples came in the little boat for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals Anathrakia, it's the Greek word, used twice in the entire Bible, here and the day that Peter denied Jesus three times. Wow. When he saw the fire of coals and fish laid on it and bread, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up, dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. And I'm gonna end here. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Mm. This is God's will for you. Come and eat breakfast. This sign, while not one of the seven before Jesus' death, is one given before Jesus leaves them. One that Jesus gives them before he goes to be with his Father, where he would send out his Holy Spirit where they, you, me, I, us all, would be sent to a world with compassion and love and grace in the gospel, to work in our schools, to work in the hospital, to work in the the fire department, the tire shop, to be a boat mechanic, to do whatever you're called to do, but to know God is with you. 
God is in you. You have your own corner of the road you walk. And this miracle is one for the road. One for the road. Wow. Here's my seven. And here's the bonus. Beautiful. Meaning when you failed me, when you feel like you're not worthy of me, when you're like Peter and you've denied me, he says, come on, man, let's have some breakfast. Mm. This miracle is so wonderful because it's not a sermon. It's a casserole. It's what every one of us instinctively does when someone's suffering. We comfort them through food. Jesus says, let's eat. Yes, let's talk about it in a minute. Yes, let's, let's restore you in a minute, but just, just let's have some food together. You see, Jesus, when we're hurting, what he does is he turns to bread, wine, food, the table, the meal, the church. Propped up by the cross, we come to the table where our sins are forgiven, where there is still a part for us to play in God's story, where we're still welcomed and wanted and loved, unworthy as we are, still sinners, even forgiven sinners, still sinners. And he says, yep, come and eat breakfast. And that ultimately is what this book is about, the series is about, this journey is about, this church is about, yeah. is all of us being told there's a different way to approach being human. There's an entirely different way to approach relating to God and looking at life. No longer do you have to do enough to be enough. You can simply sit at the table and receive the bread yes. and drink the wine and know it was paid for by someone else on your behalf. Mm. And y'all, who doesn't love a good breakfast? Is anybody thankful for the power of the gospel? Yes, yes. So what we want to do is we're going to pray in a moment. Jenny's going to pray, and the worship team's going to join us. And we're going to sing a song that Brooke Lidgertwood just released this week. Uh, and by the way, if you pay attention on March 4th on, on YouTube, we're premiering a conversation with Brooke and I talking about how she's been working on a project that includes a song about communion and seven letters to seven churches. And that's her new record. And I have this book, all about those similar things. So that conversation airs on YouTube on Friday. If you're watching this later, it's on Jenny and I's YouTube channel. It's called From the Rock. It's amazing. Pretty cool. But she wrote a song called Communion. And it's really a song all about the sacrament. So what I want us to do, if you grab your elements at home, if you got them, I want you to hold them as we sing this song and think about what we're singing. If you haven't yet called upon Christ for salvation, as we sing this, do that. Make him your Lord, make him your savior, even as we sing. And then when it's done, we'll take and eat together. Yes. Father, we take a deep breath in and we just rest in you in this moment. and all the things that are waiting for us when we, when we leave this place, when we leave this moment in your presence, we know that you're in control and you're handling it. So we just surrender to you, God. Thank you so much for what you've been doing in our hearts and how you've been transforming our minds and our lives through just gazing on Jesus. 
And Lord, we just recenter our hearts. We bring back our focus in on our Savior, our first love. And we say, Jesus, take your place on the throne of our hearts. We've made life about other things and shifted our gaze to other things. But in this moment, we shift our gaze to you and we just remember. And we seek you first. We lift our eyes. We thank you, God, for your love for us your crazy love for us. Where you saw us in our sin stuck and you made the way, you paved the way through Jesus. Living a perfect life, dying a sinless death. And rising from the dead, giving us power and purpose in our lives, but also hope in death. So we worship you, God, in this moment.